0: Thanks for being with us Wednesday edition of the Today in the 10 radio show. Jared Anderson here from KOVE headquarters on the west end of Lander. Great story up at County10.com about former LVHS swimmer Johnny Kulo. Johnny's uh, been swimming at Arizona State University, one of... Uh, many great swimmers to come through Lander, but uh, one of the best Tigers of all time in the pool and the bar there is really high, but he's doing great things at uh, Arizona State and he just set the second fastest time in the 100 meter freestyle uh, ever for his age group, the fastest by far of the year. And, uh, man, he may be a future Olympian. We'll see where where his future takes him, but it is uh, uh, fantastic what he's done in the pool. You can read all about Johnny Kulo and some more Fremont County sports at county10.com. All right, we welcome in one of our favorite guests on the show. He's a regular. Usually we're talking about food or agriculture, but not today. Jack Schmidt is the agricultural liaison for Central Wyoming College. He's also the voice of night. 975 the brand jack good morning how are
1: you thank you jared and, and being the voice you know it's nice cuz i get recognized sometimes mm-hmm. but also i heard somebody the other day make the comment you know whoever that guy is sounds like he's stripping gears <laughs> stripping gears <laughs> so i wonder if i wonder if maybe i've you know, not everybody likes everything.
0: Mm, I think uh, I think it's pretty unanimous on people liking Jack Schmidt's voice, though. I, I can't imagine there's somebody out there that does not. Uh, you can, of course, uh, hear all of Jack's imaging and voice constantly on 97.5, the brand. And what's really fun, too, is you sound like a big, giant voice that you'd hear in a city, and you are a uh, Fremont County resident.
1: Would that be a big, Frog in a little pond? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Bullfrog.
0: Sure. Big fish, little pond, Jack Schmidt. Uh, he's also the agriculture liaison at Central Wyoming College and a cowboy poetry enthusiast, which I think kind of became the inspiration for what we're here to talk about
1: today. It did, Jared. So we, the Pioneer Museum in, in Lander contacted me. They're uh, doing a thing about, about Tim McCoy. And I know I asked you if you knew about Tim McCoy. I asked everybody about Tim McCoy, and they, everybody's kind of like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really think that he's probably the most famous Wyoming Wyomingite that we really never heard about and don't know much about. And so uh, I got his poems and memorized them and then realized while I was finding, and by the way, they're pretty hard to find. Uh, and then realized in this dive that there was so much that he'd done that, that we didn't didn't know about. And I'd like to go a little yeah. bit into that today, yeah, because this guy really deserves uh, it's a, it's his history deserves to be remembered.
0: Yeah, and I'll set this up too by saying uh, you told me a while ago a little bit about his story. And for somebody who had no interest really or didn't anticipate to learn about Tim McCoy that day, I instantly went to Google and learned as much uh, additional information and tried to look up uh, more about him after you, uh, you set the stage. So looking forward to hearing even
1: more. And when you do that, the first thing to come up is about 1,200 photographs mm-hmm. of Tim McCoy, McCoy from, the, from the 20s and 30s. With this huge stare, he's got a look about <laughs> him that that, that, that that would knock a turtle off a post. Uh, he, he, very famous guy and very intriguing guy. He started his career in Lander, Wyoming, so he's definitely a Wyomingite, and he called himself that. He, in fact, in his in his poems I and mean, in his uh, movies, when he'd sign off, uh, there was a uh, uh, he had a group called the the Three Muskete tears okay and when they when, when, when Buck Jones says I'm going back to to Texas and 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 Tim would go I'm going back to Wyoming oh nice so he, he considered himself a Wyoming guy and he was he started as I say in in Lander even though he was born in in uh, 19 or excuse me 1891 in uh, in uh, Michigan. Uh, when he was 18, he found himself in Lander. He wanted to be a cowboy in the worst way and became one and became a good one. Uh, so just a little, just do a few a quick recap of the things that he's done in his life. He's been a cowboy uh, and, and a, uh, a world champion, not a world champion, but a champion, a rodeo cowboy mm-hmm. back in those days. Uh, he homesteaded. He was a pioneer. In the free grass, in the free range era, he homesteaded a ranch up on Owl Creek, uh, 45 miles west of Thermopolis, which is way out in the Woebegone, yeah. and bordering the Wind River Indian Reservation. So he had a wonderful uh, rapport with natives, and he really admired the night native lifestyle. He probably spent as much time in his friends, he called the Indians all his friends, uh, and brothers, he's probably spent as much time in their lodges as he did in the bunk in the bunkhouse. <laughs> and because of that, he became very adept at sign language because he realized that it's very very hard uh, to adapt that that language, uh, but that sign language he could talk to anybody from any tribe. So he became an expert at Indian sign language. Is just one of the things that he'd done. He would also uh, he was a Adopted into the Arapaho tribe, uh, and the he called him the Long Hairs, the old men, the the uh, the uh, uh, people, the leaders in the tribes. Kind of took him under their wing because he was so. Uh, as for a, he was a eighteen year old kid, mm-hmm. but he just was so willing to learn. And what they would do, Jared, and I get all this out of his autobiography. He wrote a wonderful book uh, called. Uh, Tim McCoy remembers the oh, West. Okay, and it's I recommend that to anybody. But there's a pretty large se- section in there about his relationship with the Arapaho elders, and they would take him and smear his uh, skin, uh, to, so he wasn't so white. <laughs> this guy was an Irishman, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they and then put put uh, uh, native the the their headdresses, all the buckskins on him, and and enter him in the dance competitions Wow. the powwows. And he won the the big one one year. No so kidding. he's a champion Indian dancer, and then went all over these guys, pulled his headdress off, and revealed him as a white guy, and it was just, you know, wow! <laughs> they, they laughed and thought that was just wonderful. That's amazing. So that is. So for this guy, that's what's one of the big things. And that report with the Native Americans, I would really like to explore more. Because so much of that was in the Arapaho Nation right here. He spent a lot of time at Fort Washakie. Uh, and so that was 120, 120 years ago, basic, or 100 years ago, basically. Mm-hmm. So there's still descendants of those people that knew him, that were his brothers, that are still around. And if I'd love to talk to those people and find out what their uh, memories are of Tim McCoy. Yeah, there's got to
0: be some great local stories, even if they're handed down. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly. He was also a politician. He ran for the state senate in 1942. Uh things that you don't think really really go to get together, but he 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 did. He must have been a very gregarious kind of a guy. The kind of a guy that could uh, uh meet and talk to just about anybody. Mm-hmm. He had a wonderful uh military career and started it out this is a wonderful story he started this out in uh, right before the first world war and you go back historically uh the united states did not want to get into the first world war woodrow wilson was the president and he was a uh, said no we don't this is not our fight but uh the the mood of of the country was uh, yeah let's they they wanted to help and so uh tim wrote a letter to uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt at this time was in his fifties, but he wanted to get back into the action, and so he was trying to get another Rough Rider group put together to go over to Germany to fight the Kaiser. Mm-hmm. So Teddy, or so Tim wrote a letter to Teddy Roosevelt, addressed at Teddy Roosevelt, ex New York City. He didn't know any address. That's all he said it to, and it got to it. <laughs> And he said, you know, he says, I'd like to, I'd like to join. I I, there's a bunch of cowboys out here that'd like to be on a Rough Rider deal. He said, I could put you together a brigade, which is 400 Rough Riders out right here out of southern uh, Montana and northern Wyoming. And he got a telegraph, telegram back from Theodore Roosevelt saying, bully, proceed. Two words. <coughs> And wow. so Tim did. He mm-hmm. went out to all the bars and all the brandings and every places, and in two months he'd signed up 400 cowboys Wow, that wanted to be Rough Riders and go to Germany. Didn't happen uh, because of a lot of things. But that's that's the kind of guy that he was. When World War One started, he went ahead and joined the cavalry, became a lieutenant colonel, hmm. uh, and then when he came back from that, he was appointed as the... Adjutant General for the state of Wyoming. Hmm. As such, he was the youngest one-star, youngest general in the Army's history. Uh, from there, he went into World War II. He again went into service uh, in the Army Air Corps. Really? So he went from the cavalry to the Air Corps, serving in both World Wars, which I think is just just phenomenal. Yeah, He got into the movies because of his relationship with the uh, Native Americans, with the Indians. Uh, famous Lansky players were making a movie called A Silent Movie, called A Wagon Train, out west of uh, Jackson. This was a huge, huge deal for back then. The biggest, most expensive movie ever being made, and they wanted to use real Indians uh, in this movie. So they wanted a 1000 really Indians to be brought out there. Uh, Tim was at the time adjutant general. He resigned that job to go to work for Lansky. Uh, famous Lansky players became MGM later. Holy cow. Uh, he, he, but he and Ed Farlow, another resident of Lander, uh, recruited all the natives. And by the way, he paid them uh, for that time. This would have been in the late teens, early 20s. He insisted they be paid eighty-seven dollars a week plus all their food for them, their family, and their chillet and their horses, which was three times the average uh, salary for white people. Really? So he really believed in and really treating everybody uh, fairly. Yeah. He took all these natives out there. They made the covered wagon. Uh, It's still available. You could watch it online. It's amazing. He was the he was the uh, Indian coordinator for that
0: 1000 yeah. people
1: too. 1000 well plus their families <laughs> so it took three special trains wow to take them out it's a it's a big big deal yeah when the movie came out then MG, or famous lansky pr- players hired him to take to pick 25 natives to go to california to do a prologue before the movie had had <laughs> so it was a stage show they did it at grimman's It wasn't the Chinese theater. They had an Egyptian theater. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Grubbins Egyptian Theater. That doesn't even sound right, but that's where he was. And he took these 25 natives. That took nine months. They were on the stage nine months out there. Uh, Paid them well again. When that was over, they took the the movie overseas, and they wanted him to take the Indians over there, too. They didn't want to go. They were homesick. It had been nine months. That's long enough to be away from home. Mm -hmm. So he brought all them back. Had a council and they uh, uh, actually it was Gozen Lodge, a very famous name in the in the Arapaho tribe that talked. Uh, the people said, "Yeah, we ought to go. With this. Tim's a good guy. Let's go." So they went to Europe to to London and to Paris for another nine months with these natives. And again, if anybody's, if there's any native families out there that had ancestors that made that trip, man, I'd love to get interview them and find out what people that were had lit had lit grown up in the buffalo culture on the plains that got on a ship that had the bravery to get on a ship and go to this little bitty island you know five days away by a boat and stay there for nine months it just it just uh boggles your mind doesn't it
0: it does jack schmidt again is our guest we're talking about the the story of tim mccoy And if somebody, if this is ringing a bell for somebody or somebody uh, knows somebody else that can uh, relay a story onto you, you want to get in touch with as many folks as possible who know any bits and pieces of Tim McCoy's story, right?
1: Exactly. And the story's not over. So he, Tim kind of got bored. I mean, he's kind of like some other people we know. He gets things started, but, you know, we're always looking for fresh horizons. Sure. after becoming so he became a, a Western movie star. Actually he made over a hundred movies. For his time, he was more popular than Roy Rogers. Name recognition in the in the twenties and thirties was more than, than Roy Rogers <laughs> had in the forties and fifties. He made over a hundred movies, got a little tired of that, quit the movies and went to the Barnum and Bailey Circus. <laughs> <laughs> now, at that time the circuses all r- ran on trains they would sometimes just be one or two days in the little town uh, uh, and unload have the three ring circus load back up and go somewhere else tim loved that he liked to go so he had a wild west show in conjunction with barnum and bailey circus <laughs> and when they closed down and went broke he made his own wild west show and that was in the late 30s so, as a showman, he was a showman extraordinaire. He was indicted into the uh, Cowboy Hall of Fame down in Oklahoma City. Uh, he wrote a uh, – he made a DVD in the uh, 70s uh, that called Sign Language of the uh, Plains Indians. Okay. that's 90 minutes long. That's still available. I'd encourage people to look at that. It's just fantastic. He was truly a historian because what he would do would, would take – the signs and demonstrate how they were given, but also give the background for them, the provenance of each one of those signs. That's crazy. So in that DVD, there's 400 signs that he not only demonstrates, but he tells how, why they were made, and then in the 50s, this guy had a television show. And this television show won an Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> so there's lots of reasons to, to uh, remember Tim McCoy.
0: I can see why your interest peaks a little bit because, oh, he's an interesting guy. And then the more you read, it's like the more fascinating
1: he gets. it gets. Oh, and it's not over yet. I'm like Ron Pupil, you know. And, <laughs> and that's not all. So he th- then tried to slow down. He, moved, he sold the ranch uh, in... Uh, uh, on Owl Creek, after 35 years. Uh, by the way, it was a dude ranch also. Uh, and he moved to Pennsylvania. Huh. And moving to Pennsylvania, he got acquainted with a young lady that married her. Uh, it was uh, Inga Arvard. And she was a, uh, a a beauty queen from Denmark. And she had, uh, how would you say it? Let's see. She had dated, if that's the right word, both... Hitler, and John Fitzgerald Kennedy, (laughs) and Tim her. And from all accounts in his book and other reports that I've had, it was a wonderful marriage. They got along. It was just one of those copacetic, wonderful uh, second stage of life marriages. They had two children, uh, Ronald and Terry. Ronald helped him write this book, his autobiography. Terry did the uh, the the film that became a DVD of Indian Sign Language of the, of the Plains Indians. So it's a wonderful way to wind up. He lived into his mid-80s, and it's a, it, it's a life that needs to be remembered and a man that needs to be remembered. You had
0: told me a little bit about his eventual wife, who I thought, man, that's an interesting story in itself to have dated uh, so many famous and infamous people.
1: Exactly, and there is a book about her. uh, It's called The Scandalous Scandinavian. (laughs) I love that title. That they're waiting to get it uh, uh, published. Wow. Uh, So there'll be a a, a book about Inga also out there. Uh, John Kennedy called her Inga Binga. So they must have been on pretty good terms.
0: (laughs) Uh, So many interesting stories. And what's also interesting is even though a lot of these films were made so long ago, you can still find access to many of them.
1: Films and the television shows. Just go to that wonderful YouTube. And, my gosh, and by the way, the uh, Pioneer Museum uh, next year as is, is planning a uh, Tim McCoy film festival. Wow. Well, they'll try to get as many of those put together as they can.
0: Did you spearhead that effort, or no, is that coincidence? Didn't.
1: Actually, it's, it's, it's very, very odd. Randy uh, Wise called. I'd been... Trying to find Tim McCoy's poetry for quite a while. Mm-hmm. I'd heard that he uh, made some poems, but I I couldn't find any of them. Actually, in his autobiography, he says that he used to ride. Now, think of this: he he's, he's up Thermopolis, and he used to ride to Jackson. Wow. Okay, now ride—that's horseback. Yeah. <laughs> and and sell his little book of poetry to the tourists on the square. Hmm. So I'm looking for that little book of poetry, and I finally found it. There's a a, a a publisher in, in Thermopylae, it's got, it's, Jared, it's just six poems. Okay. But what what they do is they really reflect his life. And so that's what we're doing a thing at the Pioneer Museum on the 15th uh, to about him, about uh, Tim McCoy, the cowboy poet, where we'll, we'll do the poetry and try to uh, 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 tell his life story where he was when that poem was written. Awesome. So if I could, I'd like to do the first poem that he ever wrote. Would that be all
0: right? Nothing would make me happy here. Jack Schmidt, again, our guests talking uh, all about Wyoming, a uh, piece of Wyoming history with Tim McCoy.
1: So Tim, uh, to set this up a little bit, Tim was 19 years old. He went to work for the double diamond up at Dubois. Uh, and of course uh, he, he had to pay his dues so he went to work in the hayfield first uh, and of course that was driving horses. Uh, then he got hired on to be uh, the night guard at the, on the fall roundup uh, and the first thing they do is give you a string of horses. So they did that and they're mostly just dogs at the bottom of the barrel for that but he got one beautiful, beautiful Appaloosa horse and this is the poem that he wrote about that horse and it's called Appaloosa. You're the meanest, honoriest cayuse who was ever born this side of hell. And the this just comes oozing out your hide. When your temper starts to bubble, you're a ring-tailed source of trouble. And then you really make a feller sit up and ride. In the chill of early morning, when we're saddling up to go, and I'm trying to make connections with my cack, well, it's a prayerful kind of minute, because before I'm halfway in it, you bog your head and try to break my back. And if I relax for just a minute to kind of ease my old sore joints, well, you grab your tail and pitch to beat the deuce. And the cause of your son fishing is your awful disposition. You're a rig tail source of trouble, Appaloose. But for all your darn fool actions, you're the top horse in my string. And I admire your grit, you paint-splashed little scamp. Oh, you'll jar me till I'm purple when I ride that outside circle and just for honor'ness, come pitchin' into camp. But when the herd is hard to handle and they're breaking forty ways, then my other knothead Bronx ain't any use. Cause when them critters come a tearing, if it's you and me out-bearin', well, the cow ain't born nicking out cut. Apple loose. And when the boys ride in for dinner with their quirts a swinging free and we race to see who'll be the first in camp, well, you sure settle to your knitting when you hear old Cookie yipping. And we leave em like the pay car leaves a tramp. And When I'm called to that final <coughs> roundup across the Great Divide, I'll cross over that skylit trail without remorse, and if St. Peter's got the savvy, I'll go through that heavenly cavy till I find my little Appaloosa horse.
0: Wow, amazing! And uh, additionally, because this is radio, you have no notes in front of you. You've got that entire thing memorized.
1: Yeah, the the, the ones that are really good, I can. I can commit. You know, it, it's really funny as I get older that dementia is there. I can't remember my wife's birthday to save my soul. <laughs> sure. You know, but I can I, that I can sure as heck remember. That's an and impressive about
0: others. impressive skill yeah. and uh, the way you deliver it is so good. So people can come out and see you do those in person and learn more about Tim McCoy. That's
1: correct on the 15th uh, of June, just a couple weeks, a Thursday evening, Pioneer Museum. There's no charge for this wonderful entertainment. Uh, anybody's, uh everybody's welcome to come and again uh we're going to be i'll be doing all of tim mccoy's uh poems uh how they relate to his life and a little bit of history of his life and if anybody anybody has any uh, uh connection with him he did a uh a show in thermopolis in 1966 that's not that long ago mm-hmm. you know Though so there's there's people around, I'm sure that have seen him. I'd love to get their impressions of him, what he was like. He's also touted as a wonderful singer, and I can't find a single recording of anything that he recorded. Uh, so, if you got anything about Tim McCoy, McCoy, or want to learn a little bit about him, Pioneer Museum, uh, the 15th of June at seven o'clock
0: and the, the price of admission there is worth a night of entertainment you can learn a lot more hear great stories and just okay. to hear
1: that's because it's free yeah, that's right <laughs> well <laughs> even if you
0: even if you charged it would be worth uh, a lot for uh a, a night to hear jack schmidt do some cowboy poetry for sure uh all right well amazing stories there for sure hopefully i'm sure somebody in our listening area. Uh, at least has a connection so please get in touch with jack come on out to the pioneer museum on the 15th and uh, anything else we missed anything we need to get to Uh, with this project i think
1: that's about it you warned me about slick okay
0: fair enough uh we can't wait to hear more and i hope everybody gets out on the 15th and can get in touch with you if they do have some
1: stories thank you jared
0: One of my favorite guests, local legend in his own right, that's Jack Schmidt. Catch uh, more of his great voice on 97.5 The Brand, and go check out that presentation on Thursday, the 15th, Lander Pioneer Museum, 7 o'clock. You cannot beat the price. It is absolutely free to go learn more about Tim McCoy and to see Jack do more cowboy poetry in person. Coming out of the other side of the break, we will get to uh, some local music. We haven't done that in a while, so we'll highlight at at least one Wyoming band maybe we have time to squeeze two one we'll see, but at least a couple of songs from a Wyoming artist are straight ahead and we'll get you some news and sports here in just a few moments too. You've got today in the 10 here on KOVE.